This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Welcome to our church. We have a gift for our visitors at the Connection site. Please fill out your friendship card for any prayers or concern, or just so we can get to know you. It is fun to be part of the welcoming committee here at Edmonton Center. We are glad to have you at church this morning. We've got a couple opportunities on our clipboards going around. The first is for our 24-hour prayer vigil. We actually keep the church open 24 full hours, and people sign up for an hour at a time to pray which might sound like a lot if you pray on your own, but to be honest with you, somehow in a prayer vigil, that time seems to go by faster than you can imagine. That's, that's what everyone has always said. So sign up for some time if you can, and we'd love to have you join us in prayer. The second one is about our youth uh, retreat. The retreat. Yeah, we're leaving this Friday, and uh, we're asking for donations for different food items. So I have four different clipboards going around, and they're all it's all the stuff that no one signed up for yet, and we took all, all of it and divided it up into four different areas so nothing is repeated. So if it's on there, it, we need it. And we need it do, uh, donated no later than 7 o'clock on Wednesday, because Thursday we go shopping if we're missing is, anything. Is there still room on the retreat for teenagers? Yes. So if you're a teenager or no one that wants to go on the retreat, talk to Pastor Today. <laughs> I also wanted to mention two new groups that are starting. First, the, the financial uh, seminar that people enjoyed so much. They're going to do it again. They're going to have a preview about it out in the fellowship hall. And second, Pastor Lisa is starting something called Christianity 101, a beginner's guide to our faith. She's going to do that starting this Wednesday and next Sunday afternoon. So if you want to know more about that, talk to Pastor Lisa. One last thing. If you want a pew, some of you have told me you want one of our old pews. You see the one stacked against the back wall? Take it. Just take it. Load it in your car today. Take it away. When they're gone, they're gone. Don't take the other ones. Just the one stacked against the back wall. We're going to keep a few around. But those are to be taken. Anybody who takes them first come, first serve, help yourself. Let's pray, shall we? Dear God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this day. We thank you for bringing us here safely. Bless us, be with us, and now take away all the distractions that we might focus completely on you for worship. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're able, I'm going to invite you to stand as we sing together. We'll understand it better by and by.
Join us now. Any kids want to come down? You know what I've got? I have trucks. Look these old trucks. Aren't they cool? I've had these trucks for a lot of years. You know why I have these trucks? Because I had a grandson, and he liked these little trucks. But now he's 14. He doesn't play with these little trucks anymore. So at the end of the day, I'm going to give them away. Because I don't need them anymore. So somebody's going to get the trucks. Right? Now you probably say, I want the trucks. Right? Even if you don't need the trucks. How many of you have more toys than you need? Yeah, because how many toys can you play with? How many of you have toys from when you were like a little tiny baby and they're still in your room and you don't want to let them go because they're a little tiny baby, but But you know, somewhere, you're better off to give them to a little tiny baby to play with, right? Because they just mess up your room. We don't want to mess up our rooms. You know what? God wants us to get all the things we need in life, but we don't need to have more than we need, because sometimes this becomes too much stuff to carry around. All right? What are you guys thankful for this morning? Raise your hand if you want to share something. Everything. Family and friends. The world. Friends and family. My mother and father. Sister and Jesus. My mother. My mom. My mom and dad. Friends and family. My sister. Friends and family. My mom and dad. I hope Lucas. Wait. Logan. Martin's arm gets better. Okay. And I'm thankful that I got a piece of the temple. Anybody in the red team here? 
Somebody? Interesting? Could you take that for me and put that on the temple? That puzzle piece? Could you do that? Just give it to your teacher? No? Okay. Well, here, he's in the team. We'll give it there. Okay? All right. I only had one to give out. All right. Let's have a prayer, shall we? Dear Lord, we pray for your blessings and your strength, that you'll touch us and be with us and give us all that we need this day and forever, and give us your joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, you guys can all go out to church school. Kids are all welcome to go out to church school now. This morning for our mission moment, we're taking up an offering for Africa University. The Methodist Church is growing in Africa faster than anywhere in the world. We're bringing people to Christ everywhere. And so we've built 100 colleges and universities in this country. We have one in the whole continent of Africa. And we help support this because it makes a real difference in people's lives. Let's take a look. than 20 years, Africa University has been making good on its promise to create leaders who would enhance the United Methodist Church and Africa. Around the world, we see how graduates of Africa University are affecting change in areas like medicine, business, agriculture, social policy, and of course, the church. The university is well represented in annual conferences, agencies, and congregations around the globe. In fact, 20 delegates at General Conference 2012 were graduates of Africa University, including many others who served as monitors, communicators, and translators. When you give to the Africa University Fund, you are investing in the hopes and dreams of a continent and the United Methodist Church. As we continue in our worship, let's bring before the Lord our gifts, tithes, and offerings as God has called us to do. Thank you. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks and praise for this day, for the opportunity to gather together and worship you, to bring our gifts, our tithes, and our offerings before you. Lord, we know that this is just a small portion of all of the abundance you have poured out into our lives. We ask that you accept it and bless it. Bless especially, Lord God, the offerings for Africa University today. Use all of our offerings for the furtherance of your kingdom. Give us wisdom, Lord, to know how to reach people for you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. We do want to bring um, a few concerns before the congregation so you all know what's going on with folks, and uh, we know that you have concerns in your hearts as well. We come with joy before the Lord, but also remember in prayer a couple of folks who are in the hospital right now, Cindy Gaston's mom, um, Jerry Heller, is in the hospital, and so is Sandra Farnham. Um, we want to um, keep in prayer Terry Shenton, um, who's going to be having hip surgery this week. And um, <clears throat> the uh, family of Ellie Luca, um, Lynn Jacobs' mother, um, Ellie died recently, and we want to keep her family in our prayers. We also want to lift up our youth retreat. It is um, a huge event, and... Um, 
very time-consuming and challenging to coordinate, and we want to keep um, the folks who are working on the retreat in our prayers. We want to keep the folks who are going on the retreat in our prayers, and especially uh, that our youth will be blessed and as we bring them up in, in the Lord. Let's take these concerns and all those concerns that are on your heart, along with our joys, before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, how grateful we are that we can come before you, that you call us to pray, that you hear and answer our prayers. We trust you for that, Lord. We're grateful that you are not some sort of distant, far-off God that is only watching. We're grateful that you care to be involved in our lives every day from the simplest, most mundane things to the things that challenge us greatly. You are with us and you want to be part of what's going on with us. You are with us as we are an influence in this world for you. We are so grateful. Father, we pray in Jesus' name for all of those who are sick and infirm, who are in need of a touch of healing from you. We ask that you would indeed touch them and make them whole from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. We pray that they would be whole, each one, in their spirits, their souls, and their bodies. We pray that you would give wisdom to their caregivers, whether they be the doctors and nurses and, and medical professionals that are working with them, or whether they would be the family members and friends who are looking after them. We just pray, Lord God, that you would give each one what they need to minister effectively in you. Now, Lord, we pray for those who are grieving losses of all kinds. Lord God, it is so challenging and, and sometimes leaves us feeling so empty and unsure when we're remembering those folks and those circumstances that have become as losses in our lives. We just pray for comfort by your Holy Spirit. We pray for your peace that passes all understanding to guard the hearts and minds of all those who are in need. We pray that we can trust you to fill our lives with good things that you have promised us as we remember all of the good that there has been. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that we would be your hands and feet, your voices, your heart of compassion for all the people we influence for you. Lord God, whether it be folks in our neighborhoods or our schools, our workplaces, or people far away that we reach through all kinds of different means, through prayer and through sending offerings, we just ask in Jesus' name, that many would come to faith in Jesus Christ because of what you have called us to do. 
We pray that you give us the words and the timing to reach those people that we deal with directly. We ask in Jesus' name, Lord God, that people would know that we care for them, not just because we may happen to be nice people, but that we care for them because you live in us and because you desire that they would come to know you too. Help us, Lord, to remember that all of these works that we do in this world for you are nothing that we can do out of our own strength. We need you moving in and through us, your power, your grace, and your mercy. In us and through us, touching lives. Give us the ability, Lord, not only to do good and kind things for people, but to be able to let them know the reason why we care so deeply and to let them know that it's because you cared first. Now, Lord, be with us as we hear your word. Let it be a blessing to us. Let it strengthen us and transform us. Give us all that we need to know what you have called us to do. Be with Pastor Tom as he delivers the message. Anoint him that it would be a blessing to all of us blessing to him. Make all of our worship to be a blessing to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we hear from the word of the Lord? Good morning. This morning's scripture reading is taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 16, verses 1 through 20. The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them to see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other day. <coughs> then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, 
They looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. That evening, quail came down and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. Moses said to them, It is the bread of the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just enough as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Chet. This morning we're continuing with a sermon series about lessons we learned from the desert. The people of Israel were slaves down in Egypt, and God brought them out by signs and wonders. Last week we talked about God taking them through the Red Sea, and now they're out in the desert. And what lessons can we learn about the people from the people of Israel in the desert? You see, the people of Israel had been in Egypt for so long that they had forgotten God. And I think in many ways that's what's happening to us. And, and, and we need to be careful that if we forget God too much, God might drive us out into the desert to learn the lessons we can learn by just paying attention to what God has to say to us. I uh, have a lot of stuff. I have stuff that I collected over the years. I have stuff that my daughter ended up leaving at my house. I have stuff that my mother and father gave me. I have stuff that my mother-in-law and father-in-law gave me. I've got stuff from my grandparents. I've got stuff from great-grandparents. I got stuff from great-great-grandparents. I got so much stuff that my wife and I have decided that we've got about six or seven years to get rid of the stuff or it's going to kill us. Anybody else feeling that way? Like you're just overburdened with stuff? I need one extra day a week. You know, an eighth day that nobody else gives. You ever said that prayer to God? Dear God, just give me one day nobody else has, and I would be fine. But God gives us what we need. And he, in fact, actually tells us to take one less day. In Exodus chapter 20, he says this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God, and you're supposed to rest. And I know what some of you are saying. Yeah, how do I do that? I work six days, and then the seventh day I got to do all the stuff I didn't have time to do on the sixth day so I could catch up to life. What we're doing to ourselves is we're burying ourselves under rotten manna. It was going along pretty good. They're going through the desert, and then somebody noticed. Dude, we ain't got any food. And so they cried out to God. And God poured down food from heaven, manna, bread from heaven, quail. And they all went out and started collecting it up. Things looked good until some people collected too much. 
And it says the next day it was rotten, it smelled, and it had maggots. The very thing that was a blessing from God turned into a burden. And when we try to hoard too much, we end up burdening ourselves. God doesn't bless us when we hoard. God doesn't bless us for our greed. God doesn't bless us when we're wasteful. Why would we think that God would do that? We end up with rotten manna. Why do we think we need more than we need? Why do we think we need to have all this accumulation of stuff? The other day I, I had a gathering at the house, and so I had to go out and buy some soda pop. So I, I went and I got my soda at the store, but I had to make a decision. Do I get the big cans or the little cans? See, the problem with the big cans is that people drink about half of it, and they leave it laying somewhere, and then when you're walking through, you knock it over, and it's all over the carpet. So these little cans are cool. They're about the right amount that people want to drink. These are too much. Here's the problem. These cost $3.50 for eight. These cost $5 for 36. <laughs> this makes no sense. There's less soda in it. There's less of them. But they know that people who understand that they don't need this much will pay more for less. It's crazy. Do you know how long I stood looking at this? <laughs> thinking, I can't pay more for those little kids than I pay for the big kids. But I realized I'm going to end up with over 100 cans of soda when all I really needed was about 12. So I bought after deep, difficult struggle. <laughs> I bought 24 of these little cans. I got about 12 of them left over. <laughs> See, the problem is we've become a culture that doesn't realize that the excess is killing us. It's too much. God knows that we need things. But when we possess possessions, eventually if we get too many, the possessions possess us. How much is enough? They said, go out and collect whatever you need. And everybody took as much as they needed. Some took more, some took less. We'd say, well, that's not fair. Why do some people need more? Well, some people need more. You know, when I go on a mission trip with the teenagers and I work construction in the hot sun in the summer all day long, I need three full meals just to sustain. And I'm still hungry at night. When I'm sitting around doing something like writing a sermon or working on something on the computer, I don't need that much food. All it's going to do is go to waste, right? <laughs> and seriously, we do that. We take more than we need. Some need a lot, some need a little. Some have a big family, some have a little family. Some have greater needs than other people do. The problem is not when we take our need. It's when we take more. The prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. It doesn't say give us this day our daily bread, and if you could throw in a sirloin steak and a new car, that would be great. That's what we say. But Jesus told us that every day we need to pray to God to give us what we need. Because carrying around more than we need is hard. These people were going to go through the desert for 40 years. They needed to travel light. They couldn't carry all this stuff with them everywhere they went. 
And we have the same issue in our lives. We carry too much. Now, we're living in our desert as a culture. We call it winter. Because we don't have it out there, we made it in here for you because we thought you were getting sentimentally missing it, you know? <laughs> and in the winter, it's important that you get it just right. Well, we might be dreaming of someplace else, like California or Florida, Aruba, Bahama, come on, or snap out of it, people, snap out of it, people. We're here in a great area of western New York, and yes, it may be cold, it might even be freezing outside, but that's not going to stop us from enjoying the weather, is it? No. We can still go on a walk on a winter's day. The key to it is balance. It's me again, Bob Sled. I have some advice to all you out there dreaming away your life, wanting to be somewhere else. Now, winter can be mighty chilly, but we can be content and live right where we are as long as we practice balance. What is that balance? It comes with the wisdom learned from going through winters, teaching us what we actually need to be prepared for winter. Now, I'm talking warm winter waterproof boots, because wet feet aren't no good. And a warm, woolly winter coat, a couple layers of clothing under that, of course, if you need it. And it might be time to dig out that ugly sweater of yours. Now, it's not a fashion show, so don't be competing. It's for survival. A snuggly hat to keep that warmth from going out of the top of your head. Or earmuffs. If your ears get cold, you don't want that. And gloves or mittens to keep your fingers all nice and toasty. And to top it all off, a scarf. It can be wrapped around your neck. It can even cover your little red nose. Now, some folks need all that gear in order to go out, and some need even more. Now, of course, some need a little bit less, but when everyone is all geared up for what they need, they can go out and enjoy a wonderful winter wonderland. Some folks don't seem to have that balance. They don't seem to have common sense either. You can wear too little. I see this craziness all the time, young ones especially, going out in the cold, wearing nothing but short sleeves, shorts, and even flip-flops. Now, they're unbalanced and unprepared for the frigid weather. They'll learn. I did. Then there are others who are so wrapped up in the idea that it's cold that they get too wrapped up. Layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer, getting bundled up to the point that they can't move or even breathe. They fall down, they can't get up. Splat! They're stuck there. They aren't toasty warm, they're sweating hot. And being sweaty in the frigid air isn't good either. That's how we got this cold. They'll learn. They go through enough winters that they'll become wise enough to recognize just how much they need to prepare to go out. And then no low temperatures will stop them from going out and enjoying this life. Right here, right now, in western New York. They'll enjoy walking on a winter's day. Exhilarating, isn't it? Woo! So if you went for a walk, let's say you had to take about a half a mile walk on a winter's day, what would you take with you? Would you take a bag of food and maybe some snacks along with you? You'd put on, of course, a scarf because that's nice to keep warm. Maybe you'd add a little extra vest and you'd put on your coat. And then, of course, you'd take along an extra coat in case the first coat gets, gets wet. And then you need to have an extra pair of shoes and some socks and 
You might want to take along a blanket in case you get stuck, and if you take a shovel with you in the... Why do we do it? Why do we do it? Why do we overload? We think it's funny when we see it in the idea of going out into the, into the winter, but the truth is we do it to our lives. And we struggle, and we're dragging it around. And we're finding out that it's killing us. The reason is because we don't trust God. We really don't trust God. We trust in everything else. Somewhere along the line, we felt that, that we, were, we were short of something. We didn't have what we needed. You know, the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. It's understandable that people who are slaves, who didn't own anything, wanted to grasp after anything that they could possess and take it with them. We were poor in our lives as well, my wife and I. So we found ourselves being the kind of people that would think you've got to save everything because you might just need it. The other day I got a new shirt and it came with a little tiny packet of, of thread. Anybody get these little packets of thread lately? And I'm looking at the little, I said, oh, that's cool. I'm going to put that, and I thought, what am I going to do? I'm not going to sew this sweater up if I have a problem. Little packets of thread all over the house. It's insane. You get an extra screw in some package, and you put it away. I need that screw. You know, we got stuff all over the place. We can't even find it. So then when we go to look for that stuff, we say, we have no idea where it is, because it's under a pile of rotten manna. Because we don't trust God. For all we need. In 2 Peter, it says to us, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who calls us into His own glory and goodness. The focus needs to be on what God would give to us for a life. God will give us what we need. He gave them food from heaven. We have all the food we need in this country. But we panic and we're afraid we're going to run out. You hear a, a storm warning on the radio and the next thing you know, you got people going to the grocery store and they're emptying the shelves. Next thing you, you got 12 quarts, uh, gallons of milk in your house and you're only going to drink a quart. What are you going to do with all that milk? Don't bet out. Why did you buy it? You never know. I'm going to run out. No, you're not going to run out. We got plows. What? A day or so? You can go for a day or so. We freak out. Because we don't trust God. He gave them bread. Manna. God's bread from heaven. He gave them quail. Which I understand tastes like chicken. So they got chicken sandwiches. Pretty cool. He gave it to them. And he gives it to us as well. Do we believe that God is the source of all blessing? Do we even remember God is the source of all blessing? When we eat our food, do we thank God for it? Some people say, well, I, I, I did it. I bought it. God gave us the seeds. God gave us the earth for the seeds to grow in. God gave us the rain to make the seed go. God gives it all to us. At some level, at some point, it all comes from God. But they forgot about God. So they started grumbling grumbling against their leaders, and ultimately Moses says, it's not me you got a complaint with, it's God. Would you lead us out here in the desert to starve? They forgot that God is in the desert with them. See, part of our problem is 
As I've said before, we don't have an everyday God. We don't recognize the God who is with us every day. We have a holiday God. We've got an occasional God. We've got a God that we turn to in the crisis, but, but we can't even hear him or find him because we don't know that God very well, and he doesn't know us. We take him out and dust him off for the special days of the year or the special events of our lives. We remember him when we're in trouble beyond our abilities. But do we hear his voice every day so that we know where to turn and don't get ourselves in so much trouble? We need an everyday God, not a sometimes God. And if we look, we will find the glory of God. They had a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke that went with them everywhere. It was a symbol that God was with them. But they didn't see God in it. But it says in this passage in, in verse 10 that they turned and they saw the glory of God in the pillar. They realized that God was there. See, part of the trouble we have is we only see God when God does something fantastic. We've gotten so used to the everyday parts of God that we ignore it. And so we look for something amazing, outstanding, incredible. Or else we don't think God is with us. The greatest prophet in the Bible was a man named Elijah. Elijah one time felt that the whole world was against him. Everybody had abandoned him. There was no reason for him to even stay alive. So he went off to God's mountain, and it says, as he was on God's mountain feeling bad for himself, God caused a whirlwind to occur, like a tornado. But God wasn't in the tornado. And then God caused an earthquake. The whole mountain shook. It says, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And then God caused a huge fire, which is often the symbol of God. But God wasn't in the fire. And then Elijah heard a still, quiet, small voice. And he realized God was in the voice. See, we're looking for huge things. We're expecting something spectacular. Because we, we, we have the idea that God just comes and goes once in a while. When if we listen, if we quiet our lives down, if we slow down our lives, if we stop looking at everything and being involved, you see, the junk is just not stuff. It's the clutter of our schedule. Some of you are going everywhere all the time. We have to be here. We got to do this. We got to watch that. You know, there's 18 things on TV I want to watch tonight. Our problem is not that we don't have enough good stuff. Our problem is we have way too much. And we can't figure out what to do. And one thing we forget, and we don't hear through all this clutter, is that quiet voice of God. Because we don't take any time for it. It's right there, just like the pillar of fire was right there. And the people say, why do I have so much trouble? Because you've forgotten God. The symbols of God are everywhere. We've got empty churches on street corners all over America. We have crosses built into our architecture. Look at the windows. You think that's by accident? Look in your houses. You'll see them on the closet doors. We've got God built into our life at every place, and we don't see him. We don't hear him. We're living in a faith desert where we're losing God. And if we keep going this way, eventually, not only will we lose God, I'm afraid God will drive us out into a desert of deprivation so that we'll realize how much we need him. God will take all the good stuff away so we'll get down to understanding what we really need. We need God. 
See, the real problem with this story is it says it was a month and a half into their journey before they turned to God about this issue. 45 days they went on the journey before they noticed they didn't have enough food. And 45 days before they turned to God to answer the problem. First of all, they should have been checking the food supplies and doing a little better calculation. But second of all, they should have been turning to God right away. God would have dropped the manna down from heaven long before this if they would have simply asked. But they had forgotten God, this how short. They just went through the Red Sea with God himself leading them, and they forget him the next day. Because you forget the holiday God. The day after Christmas, nobody thinks about Jesus' birth. We're too busy taking all those gifts we never needed back to the store so we can get some more junk we don't need to put in our houses so we can store it up in a closet or shove it off in a storage unit somewhere. It's true. And we forget God. God wants us to take his concerns. Sure, they were complaining, but this was a legitimate, holy complaint. There's no food. That's, that's fair. If you're out of food, it's fair. It's good for you to say, I have no food. You have no food. Tell me you have no food. I'll get you some food. Problem is, we have food. We've got lots of food. I don't want to eat that stuff. I want a hamburger from Grover's. You ever seen a hamburger from Grover's, by the way? They're not like this big. They're not like what you can eat. They're like mammoth size, you know? Who needs a hamburger that big? That's enough meat to last you for an entire week. Eat it all down. God will listen, but we need to ask sooner. And we'll do that if we're living daily with God. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything you need will be given to you. You'll get everything you need if first you seek God. But if not, why would God give it to you? If we seek God, we have enough. But if we don't seek God, we never have enough. We just end up with rotten manna. There's a story in Greek mythology about a woman named Atalantis and a guy named Hippopotamus. Okay? And Atalantis was the fastest person on earth, and she was beautiful. And everybody wanted to marry her because her father was a king. And she said, I don't really want to get married, but I'll tell you what, if there's anybody that can beat me in a race, I'll marry them. But if they lose, they die. Well, several men tried and died until Hippopotamus came along. And he got a gift from somebody because he went and asked advice. And they gave him three golden apples. And they said, every time she gets a little head, throw one of those apples out. And so they're running the race along, and all of a sudden, there goes Atalantis out in front, and he rolls the golden apple, and she stops, and she sees the golden apple, and she goes to pick it up, and while she does that, there goes Hippopotamus. And this happened three times, and the third apple was right near the finish line, and it was the heaviest and the biggest of all, and when she saw that big gold apple rolling by, she turned right off to the side, and there he went and won the race. There's a lot more to the story, which really doesn't matter to us today. The point is, we're running a race, and we're chasing after things that distract us from where we need to be in life. What are you going to do with a golden apple? I know what a lot of you are saying. I'll sell it. 
We are so enamored by gold. Oh, it's shiny, it's so beautiful. Gold is almost useless. You can't eat it. You can't build much with it because it's not very strong. It's probably one of the most useless things that God ever put on the earth, and yet we see it and it's like, ooh, gold. <laughs> it's crazy. And so we chase after stuff that doesn't matter, and we lose the stuff that does. Solomon, who had the gift of wisdom, said, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. Pile of junk. A chasing after the wind. I never got anywhere with my life. Some gathered a little. Some gathered much. Everyone had all that they needed. If we buy more food than we can eat, do we really have anything more than we need? If we have eight cars to drive, can we really drive more than one car at a time? So do we really have anything that gains value? We collect up more and more and more and end up with less and less and less until our homes and our lives and our time are crowded out and I'm consumed by this. And in the meantime, the one thing that matters, our God, we forget. And little by little, as we forget God, God is forgetting us and turning to other people. Philippians, Paul says this, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We need balance. If you're going to go out into the, into the winter cold, you need to be dressed right. But you don't need to overdo. It's only going to make it worse. And if you've ever been all sweated up and, and, and all wet on a, on a winter's day out in the cold, you know that's a dangerous thing. It can even hurt us. We need, to, we need to be able to take life in a way in which we travel a little lighter. Unburden ourselves from the junk. Unburden ourselves from the unnecessary activity. Unburden ourselves from all this stuff that keeps us from God. And watch what God will do with us. One of the greatest evangelists that ever lived in the Methodist church was a guy named Harry Denman. Most of you have probably never heard of him. And the interesting thing about Harry one time I heard is that he, he, he kept everything he owned in one suitcase. He had one suit that he wore everywhere he went. Because after all, you can only wear one suit at a time anyways, was his reasoning. Everything he needed, he kept in a suitcase. You've seen these little tiny houses they're building? This makes that look like nothing. Harry spent his life going around and bringing people to Jesus Christ. And now he's, he's remembered as a great and incredible man of faith. In fact, there's an award named after him, the Harry Denman Award. And, and it's a coveted award because they only give one out in every conference. So in our conference, there's eight or 900 pastors, and they only give one out a year. So most people don't win this award. I actually won it a number of years ago. And they gave me a plaque. I said, oh, that's cool. Do I get something else with it? 
you know? Like, do I get a gift certificate to the bookstore or something like that, you know? No, you get a plaque. What am I going to do with a plaque? I mean, really, what good is a plaque? I don't know how many of you have, but you can hang them on the wall. It takes up a space where a picture of your family could go, right? What am I, what, am I going to give the plaque to my daughter when I die? Hold on to that plaque, you know, that's important. She doesn't even know who the guy is. Who cares? It's clutter. It's unnecessary stuff. Harry had it right. I got to get rid of that plaque. <laughs> on the list. It's on the list. That'd be interesting. Can we throw away things we've held for so long? And we need to. When we try to take too much, it rots. It's as it became full of maggots. It, it grows weird stuff on it. You ever have it in the back of your refrigerator? It starts to grow and make, make its own life in your refrigerator. It's not good. And why? Because we've lost our balance. We don't know what we need compared to what we want. We don't know what we have to have as compared to what's just desired. And so we're going in every direction so fast, we don't have time to think or stop or slow down and consider things. We don't trust God, even though he knows what we need, even when we don't. He said, this is a test. Let's see how they do with this one. Did you know that all of your life is a test before God? He's always waiting to see what you will do. So did you win the lottery? $800 million? What would you do with $800 million? Wow. But we got to have it! $800 million. I don't need $800 million. I mean, that's like way over the top of what I would ever need, right? I'd have to give it all away, pretty much. But I have people, they've told me, well, you know, if I ever win the lottery, I'll give a check to the church, you know. I said, no, you won't. Not unless you give a check now. If you give a check now, you'll give a check then. But if you don't give a check now, you won't give it then because I need it all! How am I going to live on less than $800 million? You know, people can't get by on less than, than $799 million. Really? Really? Ask a billionaire. The problem is, is, it's killing us. And what we need to do is we need to trust God. He says there's a rhythm to life. Go out for six days and work as hard as you can, and I guarantee you, you will get as much as you need. I'll make sure you get it. And then just take one day and give it to me. If I had one extra day, I could get everything done, right? Maybe it's the other way around. If we would stop for one day, if we would stop for a little part of every day, and we would listen to that still, small voice of God speaking to us, maybe we'd start to put aside all this stuff we don't need. Maybe life would get some balance, a time to work, a time to play, a time for God. Starting every single day. We think we have to chase after it. Well, maybe what we need to do is be quiet and just wait. And God will send the answers to us today.
wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord.
say you can't break one of these. <laughs> Not this big fat one, but I did it. The truth of the matter is, is it's a six-string guitar. I only needed five. <laughs> it was just an extra anyways. See, we think we need more than we need, but when we're giving God glory to God, when we're, when we're turning our hearts to God, when we seek God first, God will pour out what we need. I walked 15,000 steps the other day, according to my Fitbit. So I immediately thought, I can eat more. <laughs> See what happens? 
see what happens. That's our problem. We see it, we gotta have it. We smell it, we gotta have it. <coughs> God help you if you walk past one of those cinnamon places in the mall. Gotta have it. And so we more and more and more. But we don't need it all. We really don't. And it's killing us. And if we don't drive it ourselves into the desert, God will just to, just to save our souls. So let's, let's turn ourselves over to God and let's turn it over to God and surrender this up and have God forgive us for it. All right, let's pray, shall we? Dear God in heaven, I have sinned by some of the things I do that are wrong and by some of the things I do that are right. But there's too many of them. Lord, help me to focus. Help me to have balance. Help me to know what I need and what I really don't need. Forgive me when I get greedy. Forgive me when I get scared. Help me to trust you. Help me to be your, your person and you to be my God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Our God invites us to the table the table where we come and remember, where we come and remember that it was God who made a way for us to be forgiven our sins, amen? We couldn't do it by ourselves. Just by saying the prayer, we can't be forgiven unless God has already made a way, and God has made a way. Jesus' death and resurrection that we remember here at the table this morning are what have made a way for us to be forgiven of all our sin, to be able to walk the way that God calls us to walk and do the things God calls us to do. Everyone is welcome at the table. If you love God, earnestly repent of your sin and seek to live in peace as a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are welcome at the table this morning. Even if it's your first time here, Come and seek God. Come and receive the blessings God has for you by the body and blood of Christ. The Lord be with you. <clears throat> Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Before the mountains were brought forth or you had formed the earth, from everlasting to everlasting, you alone are God. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life on the earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. 
And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ in whom you have revealed yourself, our light and our salvation. In his baptism and in table fellowship, he took his place with sinners. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread and he gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples. He said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave you thanks and praise and he gave it to his disciples. He said, drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of my blood the blood of the new covenant poured out for you, poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us, the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Shall we pray together as disciples of Jesus Christ the prayer he taught us? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will those serving this morning please come forward?
sometimes we end up tearing off a little larger piece of bread than some people want to get. Some people think if they get a big piece, they get more grace, and if they get a little piece, they don't get much grace. The good news about the table is, is everyone who comes to it receives the grace of God. Everyone who comes receives Christ. You're welcome at the table. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're hungry for food, go get breakfast in the kitchen. But if you're hungry for God and you want more of him in your life, come to the table. You're welcome to join us. The rail for prayers for healing and anointing to light a candle. Come and join us with the Lord.
If you're able, I invite you to stand as we sing, God will take care of you. trying to get the protective covering off my cell phone that keeps it from getting cracked and broken, and I used a screwdriver and cracked the screen, you know? <laughs> and I thought, i got to go get a new one, and then I thought, no, I don't. This one's perfectly fine. You know, we, we really get obsessed with it, don't we? Just imagine, God said he's testing us. Everything's a test. So just imagine you're standing before God on that last day. But God, I didn't have a new screen, it's cracked. I, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't make it into heaven because I don't have a... I mean, really? Really, you think that's what he's worried about? You think that's what we should be worried about? We obsess about stuff that clutters our lives and our hearts and our souls, and we don't hear the still, small voice of God that wants to lead us to everything we ever need. May God go with you. May God bless you. May God watch over you in every way, and may God cause all the snow to fall south of Amherst. <laughs> Amen. <laughs>